All right, welcome back to Larry Wilmore, Black on the Air. I'm Larry Wilmore, and I'm Black on the Air. And we have a really fun episode today. My old pal, Phil Rosenthal, we had a conversation I think it was actually a few weeks ago, and it was all about Phil's first love, which is food. So I think you're going to enjoy that a lot. Phil uh, created the show uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. He's a great, great comedy writer. Just He's just a really interesting, funny guy. And it's funny how he just loves food. And he's he's had two series about <laughs> Phil's quest to find <laughs> good food. And I was actually on one of them a couple of years ago. But it was fun. It's a fun conversation. Give us a little break from all this politics and all that stuff. I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, I'm recording this today on March 14th, which, um, so when you're listening to it, know that I'm recording it on March 14th, which is Pi Day for all my nerds and blurds out there. And uh, joining me, just sitting in from her spring break, is my daughter, Lauren. Hey, Lauren. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Happy to be on spring break. <laughs> I know. Lauren goes to school on the East Coast where it's cold. It's very cold. Happy to be back in California here. Huh? Yeah. Happy Pi Day. You having a good Pi Day so far? I am, absolutely. Yeah, you Lauren, now my kids, my kids, I have a son and a daughter, John and Lauren. They um are were unapologetic, I should say, you know, still growing up, just nerds about stuff absolutely. like Pi Day and everything. You had a funny story about celebrating Pi Day. And, yeah, because my brother and I, we both would memorize digits. I yeah. think I still have like 160 down. Yeah, digits right. of pi. Mm-hmm. But John got up to like 325 or something. 325 digits yeah. of pi. Yeah, and see, at his yeah. school, which was much nerdier than mine, they would actually have a Pi Day celebration, and they yeah. all ate pie, and they had a digit <laughs> reciting contest. Right. Whereas at my school, I came to school wearing my pie shirt, yes. and everyone was like, Either saying nothing, or they said, uh, "Why? Why do you have a shirt with pie on it?" Right? Like, it's pie day. You got shade. You for guys, pie day. even even my math teacher didn't really say <laughs> anything. So sad. <laughs> I thought it was a nerdy. You school, got shade from your math teacher about pie day. Not exactly shade, but uh-huh. just ambivalence. Ambivalence, like, which is worse than shade. Like honestly. young girl, why are you, why are you celebrating? Why do you math? care about? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad. And then today to. To make Pi Day complete, Stephen Hawking, you know, the celebrated uh, physicist, um, died today on Pi Day. Yeah. And he was born, and which was Einstein's birthday, I believe. Mm-hmm. And Hawking was actually born on the anniversary of Galileo's death. See, to me, that's a gangster birthday and <laughs> death day. That's doing a gangster right there. That's pretty crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. That's some cosmic. It is cosmic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, Lauren, so I know you're not really a math person. You know, you're kind of a language person. Yeah. Right? You love languages. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a huge passion of mine. I, I think mm-hmm. it kind of always has been. Mm-hmm. Um, but in recent years, I've really started to develop that What is interest. it about language that you love? I think the bottom line for me is being able to talk to people in their native language. I mm-hmm. feel like that's what drives me to learn foreign languages. Yeah. And then on top of that, I love linguistics. I just love the way languages are made. Mm-hmm. I recently really started getting into etymology. I'm taking a class called the history of the French language. Uh-huh. And that's fantastic. It's taught <laughs> completely in French. Wow. And it's on, it's like, it's my favorite class besides my just 
Chinese grammar class because I love that professor and she's awesome. Yeah. But second to that, it's my history of the French language class. And you you love the French language, right? That was Absolutely. one of the first languages you wanted to learn. Yeah, because right? my birthday is on Bastille Day. Yeah, Lauren is born on July 14. Um, so I always you were a Francophile from a very young exactly. age. Exactly. Because of your birthday, right? Yeah. yeah. Before I even knew what happened in 1789, yes, exactly. I knew you the word no Bastille. Details, so yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I just knew it was special. Yeah, I think French. some people died, but I'm not sure. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. So I always, uh, because my mom speaks a little bit of French, so mm-hmm. we, um, I, I've heard it when I was little, and then in middle school I took a couple classes outside of school, and then I took it in high school in mm-hmm. school, and now it's part of my major in college. Yeah. Do you think learning languages is a that? Do you think Americans should learn more <laughs> languages? I feel like Americans Our are language so program lazy is when it comes terrible. to languages. It's no, it's actually uh-huh. terrible. Especially because even when there are language classes, yeah. people come away not knowing anything. Right. Like I, I've had friends um, from other schools that said, "Oh yeah, I took AP French, but yeah. I can't really speak French yeah. or read it." And it's right. like, <laughs> wait, but. What? You took French for all of high school. Yeah. How can you not speak the language? I love how Americans insist on American pronunciations of things yes. to a foreign word. <laughs> that always makes me laugh. I always try my best to uh-huh. pronounce things as true to the original as yeah. I can. And it's difficult, but you know. Yes. Yeah. And now Lauren's middle name is Hi'ilani. Yes. You have a Hawaiian middle name. Mm-hmm. Because um, your mother's name is Leilani. She yeah. was born in Hawaii. Born in Oahu. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, there was something that happened. Uh, now, last, what was the last Friday was International Women's uh, Day? I think Thursday. Yeah. yeah. And I love how you still fiercely represent Hawaii. Yeah. And, you know, which, tell, tell me what happened. So what there, happened was, was um, I, I get those, like, uh, notifications from the news app. Uh-huh. Um, and the Washington Post had a headline that was something like, Lutli Okalani was the first queen of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, here are other female firsts for International Women's Day. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's an excellent headline. And right. I'm glad that they're being intersectional in their International Women's Day. And I and uh-huh. I read the article. There are lots of, you know, great women that are represented there. But I was just, my first reaction <laughs> was little bit salty. <laughs> <laughs> you were salty about here's them the, mentioning. No, no, here's why. Here's why. Okay. Because they they were celebrating the fact that she was the first, you know, female monarch of right. the kingdom of Hawaii, mm-hmm. but she was also the last monarch because 2 years later America came in, invaded the kingdom <laughs> of Hawaii <laughs> and threw her in prison. Mhm. And and that was mentioned in the article. Wait, at first, did you know it was mentioned? Or? No, because okay. I had just read the headline, and so I was salty for a while. So you were salty because <laughs> you knew the story. You're and like, then, how dare they say this? Or that. And then I was like, okay. okay, okay, fine. I'll read the article. I'll mm-hmm. see if they mentioned it. They did. Okay. And and it is because there are so many women featured. Each w- woman just gets about a paragraph or so about mm-hmm. her. I guess I'm just not a fan of the way that we teach the history of Hawaii. In this country, because, what do you mean? Well, how do we teach it? Um, barely anything. Mm-hmm. Just oh, it became a state in '59. That's pretty yeah, thanks, much it. Thanks for the pineapples. <laughs> yes, thanks for the pineapples. <laughs> and the you know? And there's so much there, especially because we um, Americans, you know, go there to vacation mm-hmm. and stuff. But it's it's kind of like America's resort. Yeah, like it's not even a state. Which it's just America's really playground. Not great for the people that live there, mm-hmm. and for the people that have been living there for, you know, 
Well, it's plus and, and minus because tourism trade, of course, is yes, great, right? It is. Yes. But I, I do have many friends, especially that I met at, at college, that mm-hmm. are from there. And just the other day, I was reading a Facebook post that my friend um, posted about tourists and just how she doesn't get to go home that much because it's expensive flying from New York to Hawaii. Yeah. But lots of tourists get to visit her island more than she does. Mm-hmm. And just the way that they treat the people that live there, it's it's not super great. So I'm just not a big fan of the way that we uh, talk about Hawaii. Your and just saltiness the way that we treat Hawaii. Uh, meter was already on high, let's just say. <laughs> sure. With- <laughs> but the article was a good article. It uh-huh. did mention, you know, the good. stuff that America did. So And you even have a problem with the way people okay. pronounce Hawaii, right? Well, and, and I want to talk. I feel like I don't even really do it right. Um, but there is an apostrophe between the two eyes. Okay. Most people say Hawaii, yeah. but it is Hawaii. And and although Wait, I say say it again, say the difference. Hawaii. Okay, as opposed as to as opposed to Hawaii. Oh, okay, Hawaii. There's a glottal stop, uh-huh. and that's Ooh, what the apostrophe. Glottal stop. Ooh, glottal stop. Ooh, very yeah. nice. That's what the apostrophe means. So explain in, in, glottal stop, sure, please. In my middle name, mm-hmm. it's Hi'ilani. Right. So it's kind of like you pause in the middle of that vowel, uh-huh. and then you continue the vowel. You and then go. Yeah, it's not uh-huh. Hi'ilani. It's Hi'ilani, and that's Hi'ilani. why the apostrophe is there. Right. And Auli'i Cravalio, the voice of Moana. Uh-huh. Um, Auli'i. There's a glottal stop. And a lot of people have problems with that with glottal, glottal stop. stops, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's in many languages. Yeah. Um, Americans don't like that glottal stop. Why, why, why we got to pay attention to some glottal stop? That's yeah. some uh, Democrat thing. <laughs> some liberal thing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's a liberal conspiracy with I'm glottal stops. I'm shaking stop. my head. <laughs> So so it's Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And although mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've heard people say like more Hawaii as opposed to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. But the point is there is an apostrophe. But there. I just I'm love just that you're nerd about there. the language part of it. That, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and and it's the Hawaiian language um, is being revitalized, but it's really? also in a very vulnerable position. As our, what do you mean vulnerable? Um, so many languages around the world mm-hmm. are just... Uh, to use the word dying out. Really? Yeah. And and it's a phenomenon that that does happen. You know, languages mm-hmm. do come and go. Yep. But because of globalization and technology, um, and it's ebonics. happening. I blame it on ebonics. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> this is our relationship. Oh Me saying God. something horrible, Lauren saying, Stop it. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, Continue. no, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, uh, languages are dying out faster than they normally do. So Hawaiian wow. is one of them. Welsh is also being revitalized. Really? But that was, with Welsh, you know, um, that's that's a language that because of, you know, English mm-hmm. that was imposed on that area and people weren't allowed to speak Welsh in schools. Mm-hmm. But now people are really starting to bring that back. There are lots of indigenous Australian languages that are dying out. Um, it's 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 a thing that's happening all around the world because you figure more and more we're speaking like we have all these, you know, huge languages and mm-hmm. that's excellent. But that means the smaller ones aren't being used as much or aren't being taken care of as much yeah. as the bigger ones like English, Spanish, Chinese, Arabic, French, mm-hmm. Hindi. Yeah. And then there's also a new type of language happening, which the Internet is kind of mm. creating right in front of yeah. us, right? There's people are shortening language, um, like the way that it's being written. Yeah. You have 
visual language and emojis and memes. Yeah, you know, we, we were, we were right, just talking about the shrug emoji on the car ride here. The shrug emoji, the right? The shrug no, okay. emoji. Explain the shrug emoji because I, I love the shrug emoji. Um, First explain for, what it for is. For people listening, I really okay. don't know how to visually explain it. So just Google okay. shrug emoji and you'll see what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's basically this little little guy just, just shrugging what? like, I don't know. But what's great about it is the, the, the character in the middle is actually a Japanese character from hiragana, one of the Japanese alphabets. Okay. Um, but it creates this lopsided grin that yes. just makes the emoji fantastic because you're shrugging, but you're kind of like, I don't know what to tell you. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's just really funny. I love how a lot of that shorthand of language that first me— a writer, you know, mm-hmm. someone who loves language. I was now I was kind of salty about that at first, mm. you know. And then I become oldie McOld, you yeah. know. <laughs> Somebody, well, you don't understand young people <laughs> use this language. I'm sorry, I just like language. We were talking about this the yes. other day. Um and I, I feel like I said it in a very salty way. Probably. But um goodbye is a contraction of God be with ye. Mm-hmm. So if you don't mm-hmm. want us to contract words, then stop saying goodbye. Say God be with you. <laughs> oh, so mic, mic drop from Laura <laughs> We Walmart. could say goodbye for hundreds of years now. But you it's, know? it's happening so fast because it's— It is. It really Because is it's happening. written language, and that written language translates to spoken language yeah, some of it. It's, it's, it's there, a really a interesting and relationship. That's Absolutely. happening. And I think it's text messaging that started all of this, yeah. right? Because the original thing was that you could only have a certain number of characters and mm-hmm. also with the way that you could type, it was easier to use numbers. Yes. But now, you know, with, with iPhones, it's... It's actually harder to, to use numbers sometimes. Yes, that's true. You know, like yeah. if you write great GR, then you have to go to the numbers page and press yeah, eight. Like you might true. as well just write the word great. Yes, that's like, true. Like no one's going to do that. That's true. You yeah. know? You're um, going out of your way now to out. do a shortcut. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? Yes. And this might just be me with my friends, but mm. sometimes we use that ironically to give it another meaning. So, for okay, example— so talk about that because that's yeah. interesting to me because—and I feel like once— um, older people hijack the younger language. Younger people are done with it. <laughs> yeah. And then they do the ironic use of it, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, because <clears throat> one of my friends, sometimes we use the letter U instead of the word U yes. or the number two, but not in normal conversation. Say if it's like, I miss you too. It's uh-huh. kind of being like silly about it, uh-huh. you know? And yeah, so it's not something that I use regularly. Right. And it it's... It's always—and this is just me personally. I don't know okay. if other people do this. But it, it is a choice that I make to say—to use the letter U as opposed to the word U because they're both very easy to type. Yes. It's very easy. Right. <laughs> yeah. And same with, you know, T-O-O. That's fine. Or T-O. Either of those uh-huh. are very easy to type. It, it takes just as much energy to go to the numbers page <laughs> and press the number two. Yes. You know? And what about the use of like? We were talking mm, about we that. We were talking about that yes. because I was getting a little criticized. So, no, it's how people use like in yeah. their language. It's really it's really invaded a lot of language now, like mm-hmm. this and like this. And yeah. I was saying like, explain that. Yeah. And so, um, again, we were talking about this the other day. Okay. Um, Lauren and I have conversations about language. <laughs> yeah, <just saying> linguistics, <laughs> technology. It's great, guys. Mm-hmm. It's a party. Um, so... The word like, we've kind of created a new meaning for it. Mm-hmm. If someone says, and she was like, blah, blah, blah. Okay. What that means is I'm paraphrasing what she said. I'm not quoting her word for word. If I were to quote her word for word, I would say, and she said, or uh-huh. and she told me, blah, blah, blah. Wait, okay. So for you, like 
really has that meaning. It's not just— There are several meanings. Okay. That is one. And another is a placeholder instead of um. And I'm sure I've said it many times in this conversation, barely noticing it. Uh And it's because it is acting a bit as a placeholder. Such as, <laughs> um, you know, uh-huh. um, and and many languages have that. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> I was telling you in uh, Mandarin, um, they say nigga, nigga, nigga. Uh, yes. Wait, hold on. <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, Lauren just dropped the N word. No, no, I'm speaking in Mandarin. In... I'm speaking in Mandarin. Okay, wait, 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 wait. What is what I'll is this word? I'll explain the etymology. I'll explain okay. the etymology. So, okay, naga means that. That. That's what it this means. This is in Mandarin. Yes. Naga. Yeah. Na means there. Naga okay. means that. Okay. Um, because of the way speaking works, okay. that vowel, the more you say it, like naga, it turns into like nega. Uh-huh. Nega, you know, and so, now, see now I'm salty. This, I'm, I'm just suspicious saying, of this. Yeah, and it's really, really funny because sometimes I'm on the subway <laughs> and I hear people talking to each other in Mandarin, uh-huh. and so you know, I'm you know I'm listening in to see how much yeah, I can understand. They don't, they don't know you. You understand oh, Mandarin. I love surprising people yes. with Mandarin. It's Eavesdropping my favorite thing to do. Oh, it's got to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. This um, Naga can't understand <laughs> this. <laughs> and so, um, but. It's kind of a thinking word sometimes. You're okay. like, nigga, 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 tabushi hot, nigga, you know, like it's, it's, you just use it Wait, as well, a bit so of a So you're telling word. me that if you're speaking Mandarin, as you're trying to get your thoughts together, you're going, nigga, 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 nigga. <laughs> That's what you're telling me. I don't know what to tell and you. You're, Shrug and Lauren, emoji. you're saying you're cool with that. Shrug emoji. Shrug emoji is how you want to end I am absolutely cool with that because uh-huh. it's a different language. Come on. Yeah. You know, they're not saying the N word in English. They're saying that, but with a slight now with a slightly different meaning. Uh, and I'm in saying, Mandarin. if that's what you want to believe, fine. If that's what they're teaching you in school <laughs> these days, Laura. Yes. <laughs> Always the conspiracy. China is taking theory. over the world. The first thing they do is appropriating the N word. Stop! I no. knew it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for uh, dropping in, Lauren, yeah. and uh, giving us a little uh, bit of window into your passion about language. Yeah. Uh, do, are you hopeful about this? Does language do anything else for you? Does it give you hope? Does it give you joy? Yeah, it brings me closer Mm -hmm. to other cultures. I've learned so much about various cultures in my language classes Mm because I've taken Arabic. I've taken Chinese, French, Mm -hmm. Spanish. And it's you learn so much. You can only learn so much about a culture when you don't speak the language. And adding that other level, that layer of language, it's just a new understanding of ideas and beliefs and values. Out of the mouths of babes, <laughs> learn the language, says her dad, who who says he's going to learn languages. You know, like I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. In fact, Spanish? one of our sponsors, you know, uh, is going to help me do it, yeah. too. So, all right, everybody, Lauren, one more. Thanks, Lauren. <laughs> Thank you. Drop by uh, on your next break, will you, please? Certainly. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll be back with Phil Rose, though, right after this quick word. All right, welcome back. I am here, guys, with a very dear old friend of mine, one of the most brilliant, I think, writer, producers, showrunners of uh, one of the funniest shows to have come along 
in such a long time. So it, you you actually created a television classic, my friend. I Dream of Genie. Yes, that's right. It's Phil Rosenthal, <laughs> the creator of I Dream of Genie. And of course, everybody loves Raymond. Welcome, Hello. Phil. Phil I didn't. I didn't really create I Dream of Genie. There may be people listening you could have, who maybe. think I'm so old Just and that you're cre- so old. Take credit at this point. I may as well. Yeah. Who do you remember the name of that fella? Sydney uh-huh. Sheldon. Sheldon. That's who it was. All right, but enough about genies. <laughs> I want to talk about Phil. I want to talk about Phil. So currently you have a show on Netflix called Somebody Feed Phil. Yes. And for people that don't know Phil Rosenthal, uh, we'll get an experience of him on Netflix about the true Phil Rosenthal, a man who loves food. I do. And it was, and you also had the PBS show that you were kind enough to have me on. I'll have kind enough. I loved having you on. That was a I'll great have what Phil's day. having. We went around and we went to taco trucks around LA. And now look at that Gorilla Tacos. They're doing a brick yeah. and mortar, you know, store yeah. now. Yeah. They've taken off like crazy. Yeah, it's the Gorilla Tacos is this gourmet taco truck that you, they come up with tacos you've never even would consider could be a taco. I dream right. about it. All right? Do you really do you that, dream about food? Yeah. When did you first? Is that weird? No, but you're so. Are, do you consider yourself a foodie? Is yeah, that the right term? Yeah, for you? I think that people say, "Oh, don't call me a foodie." It doesn't sound serious. Well, I'm not serious. Uh-huh. Food is fun to me. Yeah, food is like entertainment and you know joy and everything I live for. Why are you so passionate about it? Is it because I didn't get it as a kid? Really? What were you guys? Do you, were your parents? Were you? Do you come from a poor background? Or? I wouldn't say poor. I would say lower middle class uh-huh. and. Both parents worked, and food just wasn't the priority. Mm-hmm. So there were flavors I never had right. until I left my parents' house. Okay. And so I'm the, talking about garlic. Yes. Never had that flavor till I was 18 years old. You never had garlic till no. you were 18? No. Wow. So you would have like the I was Kraft macaroni like an and cheese. That's the type of stuff you grew up on. I begged for that. Hamburger helper. I would beg for that. Really? You never even had like hamburger helper? I had it, uh, but it was like that was already a good one. <laughs> it was a delicate. We a begged delicacy. for McDonald's. We really? begged for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yes, please uh-huh. let us go and uh-huh. have food with salt and fat and flavor and anything. And we, 11 we herbs have... and spices, too. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. you saying that makes me want it. Yeah. I, I, uh, my mother had a setting on the oven uh-huh. for shoe. Shoe? But that's when you know it's done. <laughs> the so, meat. Uh-huh. It was like a punishment, the meat. Really? Yes. It was dry. It uh-huh. was gray, cooked within an inch of his life. It oh was a cheap God. cut to begin with because right. that's what we could afford. So, so you had to extra cook it. I don't know why they had to extra cook I just think, you know, she put it in the oven, and when smoke starts coming out, it's done. So it would. <laughs> <laughs> so were you in college when you first started yes. uh, having yes. a love for food? Yeah, like that garlic thing. I was at a mm-hmm. terrible— Italian restaurant in Hempstead with some other freshmen, and I just got could afford pasta and sauce, and uh, okay. I, I started going crazy. They're like, "What's wrong with you? This is the most delicious thing I've had." <laughs> what? what? These little white bits? What is that? It's chopped up stuff in there? What's that? What uh-huh. garlic? Yes, garlic. <laughs> I never had it. I was like, you know, when Dorothy opens the door, yes. and now the movie's in color. It's in color, right? That's in my world. Wow. So, so it started with garlic. Garlic was your introduction. That was kind of the gateway drug, uh-huh. and then you know, just other. Like like we would Jews and Chinese food, you know that's a thing, yes. right? Like every every especially Christmas during that time. Right? Yes, that's yes. in that movie in Christmas Story. Right, but we would have it maybe once every two months. We would order out Chinese food, but Chinese it was food. always okay. the most bland order, and it was always the same order. And we we'll, never deviated from the uh, spare ribs, lobster Cantonese, wonton soup. That was the order, standing was order. Uh-huh. Couldn't I didn't even see the menu. Uh-huh. 
No I didn't uh, know sweet it existed. Sour pork, no beef and broccoli. Never, never, never uh-huh. ever. And so when you go out on your own uh-huh. and you're in college or even after college, yeah. you start seeing the menu and yeah. you see what's available <laughs> and you want to slap your parents. You never showed me this. I love that you were menu deprived. That's right. As a kid. Yeah. That's right. And now I'm uh-huh. menu. I'm like menu frenzy, right? Yes. I'm like, I want to see them all. I want to do them all. Uh-huh. My favorite thing to do in a restaurant now, because I okay. eat, I think I eat everything. Okay. Is I there, think I like almost everything. Are there things that you won't eat that I'm not I'm not looking for bugs, although okay. once in a while, yes, if you travel like me now, there's gonna be a bug or two. And you'll try it at least. I will taste I will taste almost anything. Right. Okay. I'll tell you the one thing that I've heard about that I won't taste. Okay. But what I was gonna say was my favorite thing to do in a restaurant now is say, gimme give, give me whatever the chef wants to give me. Really? Surprise me. Yeah, I, that's my favorite thing. If a restaurant has a good reputation, mm-hmm. right, and you, it's hard to get in, it's busy and everything, I'm like, yeah. there's nothing I like better than having the chef who knows what he's doing. Just like we want a studio mm-hmm. to bet on us, yes. the writers. Yes, we'll talk about that too. Yeah. I bet on the chef. So you'll go in, and do you think that's a compliment to the chef? Do you think the chef is back there going, oh, well, that's okay. Let me give you something good. Is I like to think that it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. I also say, if this is a pain in the neck and you're slammed back there, don't do it. I'll right. order off the menu. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of 50-50. It depends who you're with. Yeah. But if I'm going to a place that's supposed to be great, I want to know, tell me your greatest hits. Tell me what the chef wants to cook. Yeah. Right? Or if I'm going to a place like, I love this place, uh, Broken Spanish downtown. Have you been there yet? No, no. All right, tell we're going to go. Okay, Broken this Spanish. Is, this is kind of elevated Mexican food. Okay. It's great. And there's nothing I love more than going in there and saying, uh, please tell Chef Ray Garcia uh-huh. whatever he wants because he changes it up. There's new stuff. Right. Now, sometimes are you like because I'm like this sometimes when I go to a restaurant, I don't know whether I should get one of their specials because they're telling you the specials and they all sound good. Or if I'm there for the first time, yes. do I want to try one of the things that they that they make for. all the time? Exactly. Yes. Right. Like what what would your advice be in that situation? Do you go for a special or do you go for the thing that they're always making there? Go, you know, so you can try out their the thing that they always do first, and then maybe next time you get the special. That's a great question because now you've never been there, so you like for me, I feel like I think I want to have an experience of what they do. Yeah, their most famous thing. Yeah, what? Well, let's see what everybody's going crazy over. Right, right. And then so, when I come back, I'll go for the special. Does that sound good? It does. And sometimes the spe- but you want to hear the <laughs> special because advice, what if the special <laughs> okay is your favorite food? Mm-hmm. That, then now you want that. That would be tough. Right? Right. Oh, today uh, the chef is doing a Peking duck. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I'll have that. That sounds awesome. But, but then what if there's... a suckling pig. Yes, but, I think I should have But that. what if there's another Peking duck yes. that is their regular Peking duck? Do you want to try that first? And then the next time you come, you get the special Peking duck. Honestly, you know what I do? I ask the waiter, <laughs> what should I do? <laughs> So when, when, what should I do? I trust the, I trust the people that work there. Tell me what the tell me what the best things are. Okay. If I haven't been there, right? Yeah. Uh, or or uh, if I've never heard of the chef, tell me what the best. Do things you are. think waiters are honest with that? I think so, and I think they appreciate being asked. Well, well let me. I well, when I say I, honest, I'm, I'm not implying that they would be dishonest, but I mean, like, do, do you can think you take this fish that's yes, been here for three exactly. days? Exactly. Yeah. Or, or do you think they're really forthcoming? You know. Uh, like, I, I, I'm confused when people say, what is your favorite? Like, how do you know that you'll like what they like? Like when they ask the waiter what their favorite is. There's almost like a, you, you, you trust people in that place. Okay. What's good here? 
If somebody says, don't get that thing, don't get it. Okay, so what's good here is a good thing to say, I think so. What do you like? What are the people like? What are the most popular items? What are the the things I shouldn't miss? Yeah, and what should I I stay away from? Exactly. I said, don't get the bread pudding. Exactly. It's neither neither bread nor pudding. If the the waiter says that to you, are you an idiot? Are you going to get that? Well, Why would you if do you're it? a rebel, you might, you know what, give me that bread pudding. I'm, now I'm interested. Yeah. Okay, I just told you you're not going to like it. <laughs> and then what if you love it? Slap your waiter. <laughs> what do you do? You got to, I mean, yeah. I never, I don't think I've ever done that. Maybe I'm yeah. too susceptible. Okay, now on your show, at least I, I remember in the PBS version of your show, part of it was traveling around the world. This is the same. Do you do that? Okay, so you same do the exact same. show. Okay. It's just shot in 4K now. Oh, nice. So everything looks beautiful except yeah. for one thing. And uh, and then and then uh, have a theme song. Yes. And how does the theme song go? Uh, a happy hungry man's traveling all across <laughs> the sea and the land. He's trying to understand the art of pasta, pork, chicken, or lamb. He will run to you. He will fly to you. He will sing for you. He will dance for you. He will laugh with you. He will cry for you. There's this one thing he wants in return. Will somebody, somebody feed Phil? <laughs> oh somebody God. feed him now. So that's uh, by Lake Street Dive, my favorite band. Oh, and okay. they did the theme song. I have a Very theme nice. song. That's, I'm so congratulations, happy. Phil. You, you now have I've the made theme it. song. So like when you go on talk shows and stuff, they can play your theme song as you come out. You know? <gasps> I didn't See? think of that. That's how it works. That's what, what? they do. It's like Bob Hope. He would go Larry, where's your show? You need a show back I on there. I know. I don't have come a band. On. I would have done that. I don't even have a DJ. Yeah. In here? It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, so, Phil, tell me, where's where's one of the most fun places that you tasted food in or a place you were really looking forward to? That turned out to be a cool thing. Well, in these six, I go to to the Far East uh, mm-hmm. for the first time. I've, I've never been to Vietnam and I've never been to Bangkok. Wow. So yeah. w- what was the so food that, like in Vietnam? It's the whole experience, I would think, of eating great. there too, right? Well, yeah. the whole Saigon episode is about mm-hmm. uh, our expectations being our age. Mm-hmm. When you, it's The first thing you think of when you think of Vietnam is the war. Yeah, of course. And so you're not thinking this is going to be a great vacation. Mm-hmm. And then – Ask anybody who goes, their favorite place. It's unbelievable. Yeah, how I've heard a lot of amazing things about it. Yeah. Beautiful people, great, gorgeous scenery, amazing food everywhere mm-hmm. you go. I, I, are you a street food person? Yeah, just like we did with the taco trucks. Yeah. Right? So there's street food everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you can have the meal of your life on a street corner from a, from, a, from a guy who parks his moped, takes two buckets off the side of the moped, turns yeah. one of them upside down, starts cooking over it. Wow. And he's making you like the best soup you ever had in your life. Really? Yeah, crazy. Yeah. How, um, how long were you there? Each place we go is about 10 days. Oh, so you get a, a real experience of the place then, right? I live better than Rockstar on these things. Because Rockstar, Rockstar, think about it, goes from <clears throat> the plane to the venue, yeah. to the hotel, right. to the plane, to the venue, to the hotel, to the plane. Here, first of all, the job is go around, explore, yes. and eat, and see the sights, and meet the people. Mm-hmm. And then I get a day off in each place. And do you have an itinerary? Do you know where you're going to go, yeah. or is it more of an exploration as Both. when you get there? Okay, so so you get to try things out you didn't even know you were exactly going to do. Exactly right. You talk okay. to the locals, you discover mm-hmm. stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, if we're done shooting for the day, gotta have dinner. Where are we yeah. having dinner? We're not shooting it, but we got to eat. Have you and found? Then sometimes we find the place where we got to come back here tomorrow with the cameras. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. interesting. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And have you found that when when you see the way that people are proud about what they're cooking and their pride in it, does that like increase your enjoyment of it? Do you think? You know, of course. You yeah. know what? It's a lot like it's, show business. That's interesting about food, isn't it? Yes. That it is. You know the. 
people from the old school, you know, like the, your grandmothers and that stuff, have they talked about that they would put love in the food, you know? You feel it. You, you taste do, it. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Right? It's, the, it's something about maybe the crispiness of the skin or the, mm-hmm. the, how soft the meat is and, and that the seasoning tastes like it, it took weeks to make it. Yeah. Right? You feel it. You taste it. Yeah. Like a grandma's back there. Right. To me, the art is you take the love of the grandma and you put the, the knowledge of the chef together. Yes. Uh-huh. And that's when you get the, that's when it explodes. Right. That's when it goes to that next level. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you have a favorite place besides Vietnam? Oh, sure. Uh, the food in Bangkok and, and Thailand is outrageous. Mm-hmm. I think I found the general rule. If you like a food, go to the source. Okay. Like, a, you know where the tacos are really good? Yes. <laughs> right? Hey, you like Chinese food? Guess where the Chinese food is really good? This, it took me years to figure this out. Right. And uh, <laughs> and I would think the food there is a completely different experience and makes you re-examine that same type of food that you get here, right? I'll say, you know, there's a certain yeah. Americanization of yeah. everything. Uh, of course. I don't want to see a, a blanding out, but yeah. there are things that are tailored for the American palate. And I'm not just talking about turning down the spice level. Sure. I'm talking about just a kind of adventurousness in the mm-hmm. in the food, yeah. you know, where yeah, they're right. trying different things that they, they, I don't know why, either through trial and error or they just suppose Americans won't like that. Yeah. And then you go there and I'm like, yeah, we would like this. Please come. There's a dish I had in Chiang Mai mm. called cow soy. Okay. Have no, you ever I, had that? No. What is that? So it's a coconut curry-based soup. Mm. And in it are beautiful pasta noodles, well, egg noodles I that like are handmade. Gorgeous, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's it's flavored with like chilies and pickled mustard greens and nice. shallots and onions and cilantro. And then big, huge pieces of chicken are in it and then mm-hmm. topped all with crispy noodles. Jesus. So it's ticking off all the boxes. All the, right. the, the <laughs> textures and flavors are all going. Yes. This is a bowl that for three, three, feed three or four people. Uh-huh. And in Chiang Mai, northern Thailand, it's a dollar. <laughs> really? And it's one of the best things I ever ate. It's it's a U.S. dollar? Uh, the equivalent of a U.S. dollar. Really? If you want the beef mm-hmm. chicken combo bowl, right. a dollar yeah. fifty because he's running a deal. I understand. Right. You need a bargain. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's fascinating. It's got to be so much fun. Do, do you find— And so I go around. Oh, we, I have, go, we have sandwiches oh, food is here. here. Uh, one of the things that we thought Thank we would you. do— Phil said, why don't we eat while we, we eat do while this? We should eat while we go. So Look at this. I got a turkey— <laughs> We're actually going to eat turkey And Larry said he sandwiches. wanted to do what I'm, he wanted to have. I'm having, having what Phil's having. Yeah. We're having turkey sandwiches. No, oh, it thank smells you. good. Thank oh, you. yeah. Oh, it does it, smell. Okay. So, sense memory. Okay. So what is the first thing? So you unwrap it. Yeah. Is the smell. Is that the first thing? The smell is bringing me back, I yeah. swear to God, to Hempstead, Long Island. Yes. 1980. I'm going to say 1977 when I first got to college. Mm-hmm. That's how old I am. <laughs> There was a there was a subway shop called Blimpies. Sometimes there are foods that don't have, let's just say, a good smell. Yes, but it's a delicacy. Like people like it. I'll tell you one. Okay, so how does that affect you? Does the smell turn you off? Does it? Do you have an open mind about it? They say that uh, more than half your sense of taste is smell. If you yeah. hold your nose, you're not going to taste that sandwich. Right. Right. Like when you're sick, it's hard to taste it. Right. There's a famous fruit in Thailand called the durian. It looks like a giant, spiky, mm-hmm. lopsided basketball. Right. It's huge. They say you cut this open, and the smell is so offensive, it's banned on airplanes. 
Wow. It's be- I mean, seriously, there are places that you cannot open your durian fruit here. Mm-hmm. And I'm expecting the Limburger cheese of fruit. <laughs> right. And I had it on the street, and I was nervous to even take a whiff of this because I thought I'd lose my lunch. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was expecting the rotting meat corpse plant. I don't know what I was expecting. And it smelled to me, and this is fascinating, mm-hmm. perfectly fine, like nice. And I took a bite out of it, and it was sweet and good, and I didn't understand the fuss over it. Hmm. Are our taste buds so different that people can have the opposite reaction? You know, people have this reaction to cilantro. They mm-hmm. think it tastes like soap. Yeah, some people. Is that My a son is one condition of or something that people it's have? It's just the way we're built. Yeah. It's just different, different tastes. Yeah. But I couldn't believe that this durian, maybe it's a, a rotten, a overripe durian gets that way. Maybe. I don't know what. I can't explain it. If you're out there and you hear this, please write to me and tell me why my durian was so delightful. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the sandwich place? The Tamarind Avenue Deli. So we got the sandwiches. It's All right. I'm here to tell you Tamarin they make Avenue, a very good sandwich. They're very good. Thank you, Tamarind Ave- Avenue Deli, for um, us having sandwiches. I'm blank on there. This is great. I'm having sandwiches with Phil Rosen, though. Okay. Isn't this better than just sitting here with no sandwich? I, it's much better. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Um, presentation. Mm-hmm. How important is presentation? With food, like the way that something looks, because that can turn people off as well, the way the food looks, right? Right. And then you can get into ridiculous areas where they care more about how it's going to be Instagrammed Mm -hmm. than how it tastes. To me, flavor is everything. I don't care what it looks like. I really don't. I mean, yes, if it's beautiful, but it's got to be so innovative for me to care Mm -hmm. because flavor is the bottom line. It seems like chefs do a lot with presentation in restaurants, though, mm-hmm. you know. Um, do you think they overdo it? Now maybe they have to think more about it because everybody's taking a picture of the food. <laughs> so they, so uh, your food so goes true. into hair and makeup before it comes out. That's so true. Right? You know? Why are people obsessed with taking pictures of their food all somebody, of a sudden? Uh, somebody in the show actually says that taking the picture is the new blessing before the meal. Mm. So That's true. where we've evolved to. In fact, I've heard that um, restaurants have been dealing with turnover issues mm-hmm. with the timing because people take longer to eat, and basically the culprit is taking pictures of their food. Guess what? Get, that's why the music is so loud. Did you know that? No. I hate this. Okay. I don't know if you're like me. I can't stand it when I can't hear who I'm having dinner with. Right. Because they're blasting this music. They're blasting the music for the main reason. Mm-hmm. You think it's to make a hip atmosphere, but it's not. That's the secondary reason. The number one reason is to get you out. Really? Don't stay and talk. Get Eat and get out. I did not know that. Turnover. They're, the margins, the profit margins on restaurants is so narrow. Yeah. They need that second seating. They yeah. need you to, they want you to enjoy your meal yeah. and get out. All right, Phil, let's talk about writing a little bit, because mm-hmm. I've always considered you not just a brilliant writer, but a brilliant showrunner, you know, like you really know how to manage the makings of a show, the runnings of a show. Um, that machine is one of the hardest things to to do. It's you one thing. It. You're pretty great yourself. Well, I appreciate you're, that. But you're, you're a super talent, I think. No, you're very kind. But it, it's one thing to to write a script that works, but it's another thing to manage the writing of scripts on a television show for years and years and to manage 
like the course of that and the directions of that and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the beginnings of Raymond first. How did that? How did that start? Ray did six minutes on Letterman. Uh-huh. After those six, Ray minutes, Romano for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Letterman said there should be a show for this guy. They set about looking for a writer to create a show for Ray Romano. Really? Yeah. And so, I re- oh, it was done through Letterman's company, right? Exactly. He mm-hmm. had a deal with CBS. Mm-hmm. And they found me. They found like a spec script that I wrote. Mm-hmm. I'd never created a show before. Mm-hmm. In fact, Were you working on Coach at that time? I was. Yeah. I was. I was mm-hmm. working for that show. And, and you I, started as a performer, right? I started as an actor. I didn't know there was writing, directing, and producing when I was a kid watching mm-hmm. I Dream a Genie. I right. just saw the actors like in The Honeymooners and said, I want to do that. Right. Were you the same? I love just making everybody laugh, you know. Exactly. Like my favorite growing up was Flip Wilson, and I couldn't believe I love him. Phil, I could not believe how funny he was. Geraldine. And I used to do impressions of Geraldine. The devil made me do it. Me and too. I used to do that. And, and you better watch it. You know, and things yeah. like that. It was just so funny to me. Hysterical. By the way, you can see some of these clips on YouTube. People oh, yeah. should look. No, it's great. Because People some of really those should. sketches are unbelievably funny. Completely. And he had so many great guest stars. He had yeah. Red Fox on like the week before Sanford and Son started. It was something like that. It was sure. crazy. Sure. He, but, had, uh, he did get everybody. Yeah, I was inspired by a lot of people like that who were dynamic performers, mm-hmm. you know, as well as liking shows. Mm-hmm. But it was, I think it was the individual performance that inspired me more than anything, mm-hmm. you know. Which it's kind of like in our day, there were more variety shows. So we got to experience people as as um, as performers a lot more yeah. on television, you know, yeah. than I think people do now. You know, people are television, unless it's a reality show, they experience. Well, God, reality is so weird because you experience it as a odd television version of themselves. Yes, that's what I'm doing right now in a yeah. way. Yeah. Right. Which is different, although in some ways there were shows that did like Ozzie and Harriet was almost yes. like a reality show in some ways because it was a TV show kind of about their lives. You but look know, how but, clever but those shows show. were, like yeah. like uh, the Jack Benny show and the George Burns, yes. uh, Gracie Allen those show. Those are the same type where they, of thing, yeah. They're acknowledging that they're making a television show, which mm-hmm. give them license to go into their yeah. kind of performance mode. Yeah. But then also it's a, cy- a, a, a hybrid w- with a sitcom. Yes. Exactly. So did you sit down with Ray and, and did you have an idea for him or did he nope. have an idea? No. Nope. How, how did that start? We met at Arts Deli. Mm-hmm. I've told this before, but he said, I said, tell me about yourself. Just like if you and I were going to work on a show okay. and I never met you before. Tell me about yourself. Just uh, if you're meeting a friend for the first time, what do you do? What do you tell me. Okay. So you I had got come... twin boys and an older daughter. <laughs> My parents live close by. They're always bothering me. I got a brother who lives with them. He's older than me. He's a police sergeant. He touches every bite of food to his chin before he eats it. <laughs> He's jealous of me. He saw an award I won for stand-up. He goes, uh, never ends for Raymond. Yeah, everybody loves Raymond. And I said, well, it doesn't look like there's anything there we can use. Wait, and were you joking with him? Yes. Yes, of I course, said, this yeah. is a good place to start. And he goes, what? I said, your life. Why don't we start there? Mm-hmm. You never acted before. I'm not going to make you a gay astronaut from Cleveland. Right. Why don't we start there? And what I don't know about the personalities of his family, I'm going to fill in with the personalities of my family. Yes. I got my mother in there. I got my, some of my dad. Right. There's some of me in there. There's some of my of wife course. in there. There's, there's everything. And it's kind of this amalgam, as you do, mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah. But I went off and I wrote a pilot based on not the stand-up comedy of Ray Romano, based mm-hmm. on the actual life of Ray Romano. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like I'm um, doing the uh, Bernie Mac show. Uh-huh. Um, 
I saw Bernie stand up about uh, taking care of his sister's kids. And mm-hmm. uh, I think you should be able to hit a kid in the stomach or the throat. You know, I'm <laughs> saying those types of lines are so amazing. WC feels. Yes, exactly. And when I met with Bernie, I didn't care about like his act. I didn't care about that. But I wanted to know about him. And I actually I I had him invite some of his friends yep. to the same type of meeting I had. Uh-huh. And I asked all of his friends what they thought of Bernie growing up. And I had them tell me stories about him. And there weren't stories I was ever going to use. I just wanted to know who the guy was. Background. Yeah. And then I went to Vegas with him and I saw how the fans treated him. <laughs> and what did that do for you? Well, it, it showed me how he acted around the fans and what their relationship was to that type of celebrity. And what I learned, what helped me write the script was that People treated Bernie like he was part of their family. That's what I got out of it. And I said, okay, that's kind of his relationship to the world. And so I used that. Yes, like you're getting would, what they like about him helps exactly. you. And, and that's where I came up with when he talks to the camera. says, America, you know what Bernie Mac's going through. You know how I feel. Because I felt he treats mm-hmm. everybody like family. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it led to, to mm. that type of thing. So there you go. So with you and Phil, with you and Ray... You saw the dynamics of his family yep. and incorporated the, the dynamics of your family, which, by the way, is what every writer does, too, you know. Um, and you came up and that became the pilot episode. You know what's strange when I think about it is mm-hmm. there's a rule that's broken on our show, mm-hmm. which is a protagonist has to want something. We're yes. taught that from the first writing class you ever take. That's what the conflict is. He wants something and he can't get it. Exactly. Right. You know what Ray wants in our show? <laughs> to be left alone. That's, That's so the funny. opposite of a pro- an active protagonist. Yeah. But he was the center of a thing, and he was, I thought I could make a show about a guy who is caught in the middle mm-hmm. between being a father and, and, a, and a son, between being a, a husband mm-hmm. and, and a son, between a brother and, a, you know, a married guy. It's, right. all, it's all that. But what he really would like is for everybody to stop coming at him mm-hmm. so he can watch sports on TV. And did you have a personal connection to that yourself? Did you, mm-hmm. like, feel that in your own life or anything? Like, what, what were you bringing from yourself to that point of view? You know, it's so weird. And this is something, I swear to God, I didn't make this connection mm-hmm. until recently. The title, Everybody Loves Raymond, right? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Yeah. Really? Besides being a kind of throwback title to I Love Lucy or something like that, which I did like about it. Yeah, that's interesting. My wife saw the script. What I just said was true. Ray's actual brother was jealous of him and actually said, everybody loves Rim, right? (laughs) And when I put that in the script, Mm -hmm. in the pilot, my wife said, that should be the name of the show. And Mm -hmm. I just put it in because I didn't have a better title. Mm -hmm. Ray didn't want that title, by the way. Too much pressure. What was the title that he wanted? Oh, he, we have a famous, there's a famous a list of his alternate titles that are atrocious. That's but that so he funny. wanted he wanted anything. That mm-hmm. that Raymond guy, Raymond's way, right? Wow. Uh-huh. Who's Raymond? Yeah. <laughs> you know, these That's this, funny. Yes, right. <clears throat> but everybody loves Raymond just stuck for some reason. Yeah. The reason I liked it was because of how specific it was, meaning it was a very specific attitude from his Completely. brother to him and the attitude. And also at the same time, it's his problem that yes. everybody loves him. Everybody wants a piece of him. Everybody yes. needs him. Everybody. So you think it sounds good, but it's really maybe not so good sometimes yes. to ha- be loved by everybody. 
Yeah, I love titles. I believe a great title can instantly tell you what something is about. Okay, but here's the thing that I didn't realize until recently. Uh I have a brother, a younger brother, just like Robert had Raymond, Mm -hmm. that when I was five, my brother was born, and I felt I had been replaced. Wow. And so it was my attitude. Mm -hmm. That's what drew me to it without consciously, right, without years of therapy. Yeah. I, that's why I relate to it so without you, even knowing it. You didn't even know you were writing your story. Exactly. Yeah. So it has my point of view. It has the brother's point of view of the favorite. Right. And to this day, I still think my brother's the favorite. <laughs> How many brothers and sisters do you One. have? That's fantastic. Oh. And is he treated like the favorite? I think so. Really? Now, I've seen, now, Phil, I have to say, I've seen videos of your parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, years ago, used to show videos of your parents trying to use the computer, which was hilarious. Um, I think you had that on your your Russian thing, too. That's where it started. (laughs) I Skyped with them. Yes. Wait, let me get back yeah. up. So Phil was doing a version of it. Everybody Loves Raymond in Russia. They Everybody tra- Loves Kostya. <laughs> yes. Yes. They were trying to do it, and there was a sequence in it. I, is this on Netflix, by the way? It is. Oh, they great. Ju- they just started showing that, too, Exporting got, Raymond. Exporting Raymond. You guys should really see it. It's uh-huh. hilarious, especially if you're interested in writing and and really interested in how and why television comedy works. Or it, doesn't. Or doesn't, yes. Because there are so many factors into you making it. it work. One of those factors, well, let's talk about your parents real quick. So your parents <laughs> are trying to use the computer yep. or trying to Skype or whatever. And yep. it's just the funniest thing. I it's mean, like every bear. Yeah. They really become every parent in yeah. America in that scene. Yeah. But here's the thing. Here's about writing. Mm-hmm. If we want to talk about that a little bit. Yes. You want it. You you certainly want a scene to represent all parents, yes. right? If you're right, let's say you're writing that scene. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck because you're never going to do it. Right. You have to get as specific as possible. Yes. It's in the specificity of your writing that you become universal. Right. The more specific you are, the more people can actually relate to it. Because we relate to each other's lives in specifics. Yes. Even if your life is completely different in mine, there's something that you fret over or love or your mom bothers you just like my mom bothers me. Yeah. Could be a totally different way, but we get it because mom bothers me. Yes. And I know that you've, You've told people when you uh, when you guys have come up with stories for Raymond, uh-huh. part of your process was, what happened to you last weekend? <laughs> exactly right. And guess yeah. who I got that from? Carl Reiner. From Carl that's Reiner. That's how he did the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah. If you're doing a show that's set on planet Earth and it takes place in the real world, yeah. this is a perfect, good, perfectly good method to come up with stories. What mm-hmm. happened at your house? And here's the other thing I tell writers. Mm-hmm. Go through your day and keep a journal. Because it's easier to write things down than to write. Mm. And at the end of the week, you may find you have two or three funny things that happen to you that you wouldn't have remembered because you didn't write them down. That's fascinating. Many times people think they have to invent something. You don't. Where a lot of it, your philosophy is it's right there. You have to chronicle it. If you're writing that kind of show. Now, Mm -hmm. if you're writing Star Trek, I can't help you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Star Trek is basically a Western in space, yes, you know. But that I'm saying mm-hmm. things with imagination. Yeah. Let's assume you're like me. No imagination. Things you and have then, you have imagination. <laughs> well, <laughs> look, well, here's the thing. Okay. We're the thing about writing that's what's what's the most fearful 
moment of writing. Blank page. Yes. Yes. So now if you've written stuff down. Yeah. You don't have that blank page anymore. It's really to get so it's that, at the very least a jumping off point. Yes, to get it started, right? Yeah. And then you use all the imagination you want. Yeah. Are you intimidated by writing? Yes, I hate it. <laughs> you <laughs> like, like it? No, of course not. You know why? Yeah. If you're like me, yeah. what did you try to get out of all through school? Homework. Yes. Yes. Now what's your job? I have it every Homework. day of my life. I have it every day of my life. Doesn't it's, it suck? It's terrible. Why do you think I do a food and travel show? Yeah, to me, <laughs> to me, I blame it on being Catholic. Like there was, there was, there was some way that because I'm Catholic, I was going to be punished for all these sins I never confessed or something. You know? Really? Oh, oh, that's it, deeply sick. It's got to be something, you know, because why do I have homework every night of my life? And I hated homework. You know, it doesn't you, make sense. You know at all. why? Because you were good at it. You were good at it. And you know you were good at it, and so you know you have to do well, that's the it, even problem. though you hate it. We're compelled to write more. Yes. Like people say, Larry, why do you write? I say, because I have a deadline. Right. If I didn't have a deadline, I wouldn't get anything done. Of course. You know. It's hard. People don't realize. What is the hardest part for you? The blank page. I can't yeah. stand the thinking. Do you come up with procrastination it's, ideas? Of course. Yeah. I'm so good at it. And What's then some, <laughs> wait, 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 some don't genius, go but wait, yeah. some genius <laughs> put the thing I <laughs> attach, the thing I write yeah. on yeah. to the biggest distraction um, ever invented on the face of the oh, earth. yes, a computer. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's true. So you sit but, down at the computer. Yes, well, you're okay, right. Well, okay, I'll write my thing. Let me just uh, check my email. Oh, Somebody sent me a link to a funny video. Right. Oh, that's funny. Oh, my God. I never saw that cat do that before. Yeah. What? Are there more? Oh, look at that. Oh, this one has a dog in it. Three hours later. Yeah. Oh, I got to go. It's lunch. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Yeah. When, in the days when all you had was a typewriter. That's right. <laughs> you had or to a be word more... processor. That was, liked, that was the perfect in-between, wasn't it? I actually liked word processors. Those yes, were because awesome. because it was the convenience of the computer yep. without the mind-blowing distraction of yes. everything on Earth. No, you're right. You have access to everything on Earth on the computer. It is the worst tool for a writer. It is. <laughs> possible. It is. I know guys who shut yeah. the Internet. Like they, they hit that button when they sit down. Yeah. And you cannot get Internet for yeah. an hour. Yeah. I can't. Write on the computer until I'm ready to start actually physically writing the actual script. Like when I'm brainstorming, I have to use a legal pen. Good for you. Because I have to, well, I don't know. It's just my method. But, no, it's good. But, it, but, it's, it, but I've always written that way. So I yes. brainstorm on legal pad. I come up with all the ideas on the legal pad. And then the actual script writing, I go to the computer. Because at that point, I'm just writing dialogue. I've already worked everything out. You yeah. know? But um, that's just the way my brain works. You know how I wrote my book? Because it was no. so daunting. Oh. oh, yeah. Books are so hard. I hired a person to talk to. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And uh, they, they, I said, just ask me questions, whatever pops in your head. And yeah. you may ask a question and I may talk for two hours because yeah. I know what I want to say. But I'm using you yeah. to tape record everything we're saying so that I'm not starting with a blank page. Yes. It's, right. It's, I wouldn't put my stupid ramblings in a, in a book, but what a great place to start. Yes. I got the transcriptions back yeah. and now I have something that looks like writing that I can fix. Fixing is easier than writing. Okay. So here's what I did. Yeah. I'll go you one step further. Yeah, yeah. So I've had, I hired someone else to write my book. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I've had to do speeches here and there yes. you know, and give lectures and that sort of thing. Yeah. And sometimes like I had kind of a lecture speech, but I was never happy with it. It wasn't quite right. And sometimes people have specific topics and that type of thing. Yeah. And so I had to give this very important one at Harvard at the Shorenstein Center. Wow. Right after the election. Fancy. And it was right after the election. Okay. Yeah. 
And I was very nervous because I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say. You know, freaking Harvard. And then after that election, you know, yes. Jesus Christ, you know, you better come whatever with, I had prepared yes. would have to be completely different. You better be as good as the so, president. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> and it's John F. Kennedy Center. It's all that stuff. Harvard. So the month before I was supposed to give a lecture at Hofstra where they had the first debate and it was right before the first That's debate. That's where right? my big speech is. Really? Because I went to Hofstra. I made a commencement okay, speech. So, so there you go. So you know what I'm talking about. Yes. So, so there's pressure on me. I'm like, God. And I and my show had just been canceled. So I'm in I'm in the throes of all that, you know. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't know. Can I give an hour speech? I don't think so. And I said, well, you know what, Larry? Could you give an hour interview? And I said, yes. of course. I could speak for three hours That's if somebody's right. interviewing. So here's I hate what a I did, lecture. Though. I like an interview. So what I did was I decided to do a magic trick is what I'm calling it. Yeah. I interviewed myself on stage. I had them put two stools up there. <laughs> And I went back and forth and asked myself questions, and I turned it into a comedy act. But I thoughtfully answered the questions. Yes. And I didn't write the answers ahead of time. I answered them in the moment. Perfect. So, so I gave thoughtful answers to these questions, and then a yes. couple of times I made jokes. Audience loved it. And I was like, this is fantastic. Why didn't I think of this early? And it's only because I hate writing. Exactly <laughs> And right. I kept procrastinating writing yes. the speech. I ended up doing the same thing at Harvard, yes. but it was different because people were so— the election just really, I mean, it was amazing the the feelings that people had after it. So it was a bit, the tone was a little different, but it worked. You're talking about this last election. Yes, the presidential election. Yes. So I interviewed myself again. I did yes. the same technique. Great. It was it was so much fun. What a it great. Just, it really freed me up to just really yes. kind of speak from, like, with my two feet planted on the ground yes. and really from a place of authority and conviction and, and to be funny in the moment rather yeah. than funny as the joke that I thought of ahead of time. You got it. Yeah. So I love so that. I love that. Use it. I like. actually like the other person, though, yes. physically. Yeah, me too. Because yeah. I want to talk right. to someone. Yes. Even if there's an audience watching, right. I feel like there's more pressure Without that, you know, it's like having training wheels. I just gave away my secret, by the way. <laughs> I probably shouldn't. <laughs> now when I'm doing it, say, hey, Larry, I'm going to write a speech, asshole. What are you doing interviewing You are yourself? writing a speech. Yeah. It's yeah. just a different form. Thank you. So Phil Rosenthal It's perfectly says it's fine, okay. valid. Yes. Right? Am I, I think am so. I, am I cheating if I use the other person? Mm, whatever. <laughs> however, however we get Whatever's, the information out. Whatever makes you comfortable. Yes. Yeah. And as long as you deliver, yeah. who cares how it comes, right? It, it's funny that a writer's room can provide that too in some ways. That's where, what it's for. Yes. Like if, if you're – because I feel the showrunner should have the vision for the show. You know, right. when you talk to a car writer, you talk to some of the great people who have done this, they know what the show is. Right. You know, and their job – the job is to corral all of these ideas and yes. just form it into this beast called the show. Exactly <laughs> right. Know? It's all yes. got to be filtered through your head. It Correct. doesn't mean that they don't contribute. That's they exactly contribute right. greatly. You want them to contribute. Sometimes the contribution is listen to my idiocy and see if this makes sense. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Sometimes that's where you get some of the best stuff. Yeah. Sometimes. But, you know, it is to work on someone else's show means to uh, sublimate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Give 100% of of what you've got. Yeah. Because if you're working for me, I do want your experience. I do want to know about that fight you had with your wife. Completely. <laughs> Come yeah. back in and tell me about it. That was the job. Yeah. Go home, get in a fight with your wife. Come back in and tell me about it. <laughs> I know. Right? So we had to stop after nine years. Otherwise, our wives would leave us. That's hilarious. Huh? And in California, Larry, that's half. Yeah. You don't You don't want to do that. I don't want to go into that <laughs> for obvious reasons.
So that was great. You moved, you did Raymond all those years, and that's a specific type of show. Now, yes. I know you have interest in doing different types of things, not yeah. just the, the food thing, but are you working on other ideas right now? Or I is do. there a certain type of show that you would love to do that you haven't done before? This thing I'm doing right now seems like the, the pinnacle of my existence. Mm-hmm. That, that it's everything I love in life, including show business. Mm-hmm. I love every aspect of the business yeah. writing, directing, performing, yeah. editing, producing. I love every aspect of the business except the business. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Show I, business. Business gets in way of show. Yes. Doesn't I, it? I can completely relate to that. Um, I remember reading the things that were even when I, I remember seeing you defending yourself in the press about Raymond just because people were saying, it's not hip, you know, it's not that or that. Yeah. And, and here you had a unbelievably successful show. And it's like, why does this person have to defend something that's working? Because that's the business thinking that they have a better idea of what something should be yeah. than what you're doing as the show itself that people love. Like that to me is the difference between show and business. It's like, why, is right. the, why does the business think they know better than you? Which is why or, I think uh, that show wouldn't get on today. Yeah, And why I pretty positive it wouldn't have gotten on the year we went off the air because we had trouble getting it on the air the year we got on the air. Yeah. So it wasn't hip and edgy. It wasn't hot and sexy, yeah. right? <laughs> hot and sexy. That's what they wanted. We would right. get those notes. They would give you notes to be hip and edgy I and I wish hot it was sexy. hipper and edgier, said one studio guy. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you got the right guy. I'm Mr. Hip and Edgy. Yeah. Why'd you come to me then? Yeah. Right? I do what I do. Yeah. And, you know, it seemed to work, mm-hmm. but they think it's an anomaly. Here's what I don't like about the business. Mm-hmm. That type of show, the family sitcom, like that. Right. That's the stuff of television. Yeah. Those every, I'm going to say eight, nine years, one comes along that hits just right. And people feel like they can relate to it. Yeah. You know, you had it. Modern Family had it. Yeah. Right? Before us, I don't know if we're allowed to say this word anymore, but Cosby had it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> well, it's true. That show did have it, you know, even though. Yeah, the, he we, also had other things, but yes. he had that. Absolutely. And Roseanne had it. Yeah. Why but, do you think family shows are so powerful? Because they really are the mainstay of television. And do you think it's going to stay that way? Or here's do, the real do, truth. Do you, do you think it's changing? The real truth is. People's lives are not hot and sexy, hip and edgy. They're more like <laughs> Raymond and Roseanne than they yeah. are the, the 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 than they are like Friends. Yeah, Friends was an amazing show. I think we'd all admit, mm-hmm. but it hurt TV in this way. All the shows that came after it were trying to imitate that. They really and to did. try to capture this kind of hip sexiness. That was not the primary reason for Friends' success. Friends was the exception, not the rule. Friends was about beautiful kids who were also, this is the part they leave out, funny and charming. Yes, and Marta Kaufman has said that the show was about that time in your age when your friends are your family. So it actually is a family show. Well, every show, I think, is (laughs) a family show. Right. Even the news. Yeah. You're watching that group where you're inviting that same group of people that you like. I love that. Into your house. Every single show, hospital show, cop show, family. Yeah. It's about a family. Fox and Friends. Yeah. That's a great family. <laughs> what a nice family that is. <laughs> These poor deluded people. <laughs> oh, man. But we have, we, we, 
I think relatable is the number one reason for a show's success. Mm -hmm. If you're not relatable, you better be so screamingly funny. The show that comes to mind is 30 Rock. Yeah. Which I don't think had a relatable bone in its body. Yeah, it was kind of a comment on something. So it was It was a, a joke. It bag. was like a living cartoon type of thing. It was. It was yeah. a living sketch Which show. Which was unbelievably executed, right? Exactly. Right. And if it wasn't unbelievably executed, it would have been dead on week two. Yeah, it's, it's because there's to not survive. there's not a character that you fall in love with that you, you wanna, you know that you can relate to. It's know. all right. the jokes. So yeah. I always say, don't make it about the jokes because then you're only as good as your last joke, except 30 Rock, Tina yeah. Fey, those people, they could be as good as their last joke. Yeah. That, if you're going to make a joke bag, make it as good as 30 Rock. Yeah. That has to be the the uh, zenith, I think, for it's, these types of shows. It's why horror films are difficult to do because you have to top the last scare all the time, you know. Right. <clears throat> it's That's like, right. It's like that type of thing. You know? Yeah. Um, now, I know you were doing some theater for a while. Are you still doing any of that or – I worked on I worked on a, a Broadway show for a while. I don't want to say which one because yeah. it uh, I didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the process. I mm-hmm. worked on it for three years. Long time. People yeah. come in, they drop out. The you know collaborators with with music and with stuff. And I thought I would love it because. That was my first experience in show business was the high school plays, the college plays, the plays off Broadway. That yeah. stuff that come from theater. Right. I love it. But the Broadway business, at least my experience, oh, boy, it was not about whether it's good or not. How come we don't see um, – like I know you and I are, are lovers of theater and that kind of stuff. We've talked about that a little bit. How much yeah. we love Book of Mormon, you know. Oh, God. I one remember of the funniest things of all time. And you saw but, Hamilton since then? Of course, yes. Now, why do you think there aren't more – I wish there were more pure comedies on Broadway. You know, there's it there's always musicals. Do you think they're too expensive? Like yes. people can't afford them anymore. Or? Exactly right. Is that what it is? Because a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's where your Neil Simons were born. Really, you got Broadway. it. I used to. Uh, yeah. uh, I lived in, in a suburb of of uh, New York, Rockland County, and I would mm-hmm. take a bus in when we didn't have school at 15 years old, 16 years old. A bus mm-hmm. by myself, yeah. hour and a half into Penn Port Authority. Mm-hmm. This is in the 70s when. Port Authority bus terminal wasn't oh, yeah. as beautiful as it is yes. today. <laughs> I'm telling you, this was rough. Yeah, it had more port than authority. Yes, you got it. Was, uh, yeah, like an old port where you yeah, could get murdered. Yes. And then you you go to the TKTS booth in, in sure. Times Square. Down Times Square, yeah. I'd wait online, sometimes in the freezing cold if it was Christmas break. Yeah. And I would see a Broadway show for $11. Yeah, that's awesome. That was awesome. a half price then, so you could imagine. Right. And I was in heaven seeing great comedies by Neil Simon and and these yeah. great, you know, like Sly Fox. I remember uh-huh. Larry Gelbart wrote Sly Fox yeah. with uh, George C. Scott I wow. saw on Broadway. I saw the greatest things ever. Yeah. Well, because the cost of productions now, mm-hmm. everything has to be a big musical. People aren't going to spend that kind of money right. unless they're getting a lot for their dollar. Mm-hmm. So the big Broadway musical is what is filling all the theaters. That yeah. or Bruce Springsteen. Yes, yeah. Which yeah, I which recommend, is, by the way. I heard it was great. It's yeah. a great play. Yeah. Besides, every day you you think it's going to be oh he's just going to go out there and sing his songs slowly yes. with the guitar. No, it's a play, a uh-huh. one man play that he wrote brilliantly, delivers brilliantly as an actor. Is it kind of like the Mike Tyson thing? Better. <laughs> Can you believe it? Yeah. Are yes. we going to see more Phil Rosenthal, the performer, but who, by the way, is very funny. Thank you. I love. 
again, all aspects. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. It depends on what it is. Yeah. If I if I think I can do it, I do it. Yeah. If I, uh, you know, people have asked me to be in their shows and movies, and yeah. if there's a part that I feel like, oh, uh, maybe uh, that'd be fun to do or work with that person, right. like with you, yeah. sure, cast me, Larry. I would love I'm to. Ready. <laughs> I love it. I really do. It, yeah. You know, this thing with the with the food and travel show, it does incorporate all the things I think uh, I've become decent at mm-hmm. in show business, right. right? The writing, the directing, even the performing, the producing, mm-hmm. the editing, all of that goes into making the show and then the show combines everything I love in life. Yeah. Family, friends, food, travel, laughs. Yeah. All in. So that's why I say it's the pinnacle for me. Right. Mm -hmm. But I guess that there's no, there's no real acting in it, but you are aware that you're, you're performing. You're on there. What about uh, politics? Do you see, I know you have a, strong positions on politics and that kind of stuff. Do you ever see yourself writing that type of area or is it more of an interest? I got to be honest with you. I don't think I'm equipped. I don't mm-hmm. think that I, I think there are guys like you and your friends at the data show and, mm-hmm. and Colbert and these brilliant, brilliant people who can articulate things backed up by the facts mm-hmm. and the, not that facts are important anymore, but, <laughs> but that they're that, a casualty. Yes. Yeah. I feel like there's enough great guys who do that yeah. and girls who do it that I, I'm, I don't know. I don't need to do that. Yeah. I, I listen, the food and travel show, I never meant for it to be political in any way. Mm-hmm. Suddenly the embracing of other cultures and other people from different lands is a political statement. Yeah. All right. I'm political all of a sudden, but it's necessary. <laughs> right. I just thought I was being a human being that liked people. Mm-hmm. I guess that's out of falling out of favor. No, it has never fallen out of favor. It is one of the things that— There's still more of us than them, don't you think? <laughs> Phil, it is one of the things I've liked about you from the beginning. I'll just say this before I go, and thanks so much for stopping by and and allowing me to have a, you know— A sandwich. Sharing a sandwich on air. Larry, I've see, never eaten on air before. It's liberating. I was worried about yeah. you, Larry. You but, don't eat. <laughs> I know. I wish I could lose weight by that, but apparently not. <laughs> but one of the things I w- I'll tell the audience this is that Phil Rosenthal— from I think from your New York days has always had movie night. Yes. You know, and I've always thought I've had it since fifteen years old. But what a great way to bring friends together, to yeah. bring people together. It shares your love of food. You you're so you you're so happy on movie night because you're the host of this thing. And for me, it's a love of film, which I have yeah. such I love film. Me too. And I went to one of your movie nights and I got to meet uh, Richard Benjamin. How great. And Come know, this weekend. He's coming back. He it, just wrote it to was, me. You know, I love Richard Benjamin. Yeah. I've always been such a fan. And his wife, Paula Prentice, who, yeah. how could you not love Paula yeah. Prentice? And The Parallax View, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. But uh, in the 70s, they were they were so cool, you know, during that time. Yeah. And my favorite year, I think, Richard Benjamin, I think, directed it. You've was that it. the movie you showed, I think, right? Was that, it? It's very possible that I it showed that. It may have been my or, favorite year, yeah. Or the Sunshine Boys. He but was in that team. Yes, yes. Maybe it was Sunshine Boys, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think it was Sunshine Boys. Um, <clears throat> but I just wanted to give you props for that type mm. of thing, you know, just, you know, bringing people together like that. And Plus, we learned something. Yeah. If we have the filmmaker come sometimes. Yes. Right? Or someone right. in the movie. Wow. There's, it's like film class yeah. in that little room. It's so much fun. Yeah. We, uh, I'll just say this last thing too. Or how about when uh, Phil and I we used to be involved with the uh, television museum of television radio? The it's greatest. now now the Paley Center, right? But remember, we had the a couple of nights for some of the greats Sid like Caesar, Caesar and Carl, Carl Reiner. No. How much fun was that? Uh, I'll this never is like, ever forget it. This is like 2002, maybe. That's right. 2003. 
but you know we. Do. But but how Sid Caesar was yes. so honored by that that people didn't forget. Here's what touched yeah. me about that moment. Yeah, you have someone who's was couldn't have been more famous than someone like Sid Caesar. Yep. And at the time we had the dinner with him, probably felt like he was forgotten. Of course, that, that nobody even knew him or cared about him. There's people listening right now who don't know who and, he is. And when I think about like the elder people in our society and. The, when people talk about getting rid of Medicare and things like that and just not even caring about those types of statements and when we think about, you know, making sure that the elder people in society aren't invisible and that they are being honored. They don't have to be as famous as Sid Caesar, but we honor the yeah. people who have come before us and made the sacrifices for us. But I'll never forget, Phil. So, Phil, you did the pickle sketch. There's a oh, famous sketch from Insurance One shows. of the honors of my life. With Sid Caesar. And Sid Caesar, you guys, he's sitting there huh. with not much energy, yep. you know, and we look like, God, I hope he's okay, you know. And Phil starts doing the sketch of the alive. He's like, he remembers every line. And he's, he's hilarious. Like, he's hilarious. We're laughing. We're all crying. And we're kind of crying because it's funny, but also for the moment, too. You know, Isn't that I'll beautiful? never forget that. That was such me, a great moment. Me yeah. too. Hmm. Me too. Listen, you and I are almost there. We hope yeah. that some kid Don't listening. Don't forget us, you guys. Yes, yeah, some kid listening <laughs> says, let's have an evening for Larry and Phil. Make Larry sure there's food. Phil, Bill's going to be there. Make sure there's Look, food. Let's do, here, they're going to do their famous eating a sandwich on the air sketch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, Phil Rosenthal, everybody. Somebody feed Phil. Somebody. Please, somebody feed Phil. It's on Netflix and uh, can't wait for anything that you're doing out there. Thanks a lot, Phil. Love you, Larry. Back in the air.